0: All right, well, I'm very grateful today on the Speaking for Him podcast to have my good friend and uh, mentor of sorts, uh, Dave Dalrymple. I met Dave when um, I was speaking at the Guiding Light Mission many years ago, and he and I have kept in touch, and I'm really grateful to have you here, Dave.
1: Thank you, Andrew. I would like uh, to probably, I'd like to say that probably you are my you are my mentor, so uh, well, we should reverse that.
0: Well, iron sharpens iron, right? <laughs> there we go. That works. All it's right. your job to mentor each other. We'll, we'll put it that yeah. way. Perfect. So um, anyway, today we're going to get into uh, the meat of our discussion about legacy. Um, but before we uh, dive in, can you tell me a little bit about how things have worked out for you for this lockdown and what you're doing to keep yourself busy?
1: Well, as you know, my, my main day job is oral surgery, which is shut down with the exception of emergency surgery. So I went from four days a week to about half a day a week. Um, so, you know, that's freed up a whole lot of time and I'm trying to figure out how the Lord wants me to use it. So I've been, you know, working on some writing and doing some photography. I do a lot of nature photography. So I spent a lot of time in creation a good way to glorify or show God's glory through his creative work. Um, And that's, you know, that's pretty much it. Spending time with family.
0: And Dave has written a book. I haven't said a whole lot about this book um, publicly, but uh, it was very well written. It's definitely for adult audiences, um, but it's called Carlotti and it's kind of a crime thriller type of book. And, we may have another podcast where we dig into that more, but the reason that I was excited to bring that up is because it was recently released in its third iteration as an audio book, so that has to be exciting for you, Dave.
1: It is. Um, it was a difficult book to write because I I weaved in a salvation story, but I struggled with trying to keep my characters uh, true and real, and that requires them being sinful, and so it's hard to write that sometimes, but uh, I think the Lord, I prayed a lot about it, and the Lord led me to to the bible to say hey he left he left that work uh pretty raw as well so um it was it was a good way to um you know kind of bring the gospel into the reality of what uh the world is today
0: that is very that is very true and and we'll probably have a future time in the next few weeks when we dig into that more fully but today's topic is legacy um, because primarily of the uh, recent, as of well, as of this recording, yesterday, uh, Pastor Ravi Zacharias was welcomed into the arms of Jesus, um, having had a fairly short battle actually with cancer. Um, he was, I guess, diagnosed about two months before his death, so it went pretty quickly. But at age 74, um, Ravi went to be with the Lord. So I wanted to talk today uh, about legacy. Um, And to kick off our discussion, I um, will just share this quote of the day, which is, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me that day, and not to me only, but unto all them that love his appearing. And that's 2 Timothy 4, 7, and 8. And of course, um, that is Paul's final words uh, to Timothy. And we can definitely find... um, a lot out about with someone when we study their final words. Um, so Paul really had some important words to say to Timothy in his final letter. I can only imagine uh, what was possibly going through his mind as he's writing this letter, um, knowing perhaps uh, that his, his death is imminent. I think previously in this passage, he said something to the effect that I am ready to be poured out. So, so he was, he was prepared. And so should we all be prepared for um, Christ to call us. Um, And then also, but also being someone who is quite a bit younger than Ravi, I think about the fact that now it's time for us to pick up the torch. Um, I was, I was looking Recently, about um, uh, prominent uh, leaders in in the faith of the faith um, that had passed away in 2019, and we lost Charlie Vandermeer of Children's Bible Hour and CBH Ministries, and Warren Weersby, um, both really big names within our faith, very fundamental, very godly men, and it was just a reminder to me that we need to continue to be faithful and not let um, the gospel fall on the ground, so to speak. Do you have any thoughts, Dave?
1: Yeah, I was just thinking, as you mentioned, these these men that had such long and devoted ministries that it's tedious. And all of these men, I think about Charles Stanley and some of these uh, people that preach the gospel for, you know, 40, 50 years. It just reminds me that it is a race. And it's it's a marathon of sorts, and there's times when I'm sure that they felt like they were going to hit the wall, um, but they just kept on, kept on keeping on. So I think part of that legacy is endurance, and uh, you know Ravi certainly um, was tireless in his presentation of the gospel.
0: All right, um, well, uh, and these are the the details of his life a little bit in capsule: Frederick Anthony Ravi Kumar Zacharias was born on March 26, 1946, and passed away May 19 of 2020. He was born in, uh, British Raj, I guess, um, before it was India, or it wasn't part of India, I guess, because it says it's now India. So, um, and then it says that he, uh, died in Atlanta, Georgia. So he, uh, And he did a lot of work um, with apologetics. He was very good at um, putting forth the truth in a way that can be disputed. One of the things I really like about him is that he says things um, or he would present truths in a way that I might try to articulate, but I just couldn't do it to the level that he is able to. And that's actually one of the clips we're going to hear a little bit later in the show. But first, I want to share um, a clip of his testimony.
2: I marvel at the fact that at the age of 17, when I'd never cracked open a Bible on my own. The previous year, a little bit of exposure had come. Prior to that, never opened a Bible. I'm not even sure we had one in the home. I think my dad had one. But I'm lying in a hospital bed. Do you know why? Because I wanted out of life. My life had no meaning. I wanted to be a cricketer. I wanted to play tennis. I did it well, but I would never have excelled to the ranks of the best. So I wasn't even going to make it there. I just did it, played at a university level. That was it. And as I'm lying in this hospital bed, having attempted to take my own life, A man walks in with a little red Gideon's New Testament. I couldn't reach out for it because my body was dehydrated. The moisture was gone. It was a servant in the house who rushed me to the hospital. And my mother takes that Bible that he gives and she says, You really can't stay here. My son is in critical condition. And he said, Ma'am, your son needs this more than anything else. And so he opens to John chapter 14, where Jesus is talking to Thomas. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father except through me. And then he goes on in verse 19 and says, Because I live, you also shall live. The power of the word of God to crack open this encrusted heart of a young man who never had the wisdom to open it before. And I begin to pray. And I say, Lord, if you are the Lord of life, take me out of this hospital room. I will leave no stone stone unturned in my pursuit of truth. That day is so vivid in my mind. Every time I go to Delhi, my home city in India, I always take a taxi and I go and park outside that hospital room and I just saw the hospital building and I just sit there for about 10 or 15 minutes and recall what happened when I was 17 years old happened with the word of God happened with the word of God and as I walked out of there five days later the doctor looked at me and he said you know young man we've given you back your life But we cannot make you want to live. I just said, Doctor, you don't need to worry about that. I had that little red New Testament, and I walked away from that room. The man who brought that New Testament into my room died last year. I spoke to him a few days before he died from our home in Atlanta. He was living in Los Angeles. I wanted to come over. He said, Rob, don't, 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 don't. He said, you've got many, many other things to do. But here's what he said to me. He said, I just want to say to you, I sit down sometimes and watch you and YouTube, And the tears run down my face. And I think to myself, the main reason God, God brought me into this world was to bring that bite. He said, Fred, God brought you into the world for a lot more than just that. He said, no, man. He said, I just want you to know, I can't say enough of what it means that you're one of my sons in the faith. And it gives me the greatest amount of joy. My word is truth. Thy word is truth. If there is just one application you take away from tonight, can I urge you to open the scriptures and make it a commitment to read the gospel of John.
0: All right. And so you just heard on that clip um, a little bit about his testimony of how God brought him to himself. And I was really inspired by that as well, because It was basically one man uh, who was a Christian worker uh, in India came to the hospital, gave him a Bible, and um, he read in John chapter 14, um, Because I live, you will also. And that changed his life. Um, As a matter of fact, um, his daughter said in her last, one of her last blog post entries about the issue that that will go on Robbie's tombstone as he is laid to rest, because that was his whole mission. As we go through this, I wanted to share, um, I, I had done some, some praying and some thinking about what to share on my podcast. And I was brought to the issue of legacy as we've introduced today. Okay. I'm going to read, um, the first bullet point, and then if you could read the verse that goes with it, that would be great. So sure. we need to share the word with our families.
1: Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest the way. When thou liest down, when thou when thou
0: risest up, Deuteronomy six, verses four through seven. I think this is such an important thing, and I think it's something that I was really benefited with in the fact that I was homeschooled. That my parents always taught me that every opportunity was a learning opportunity, and they really hammered home the fact that um, they they appreciated our our pastoral leadership growing up and they knew that it was important for us to be in church but it was also important for us for them to share with us on a daily basis through the practical realities of life what it was like to live for the lord how you could see the lord's glory in everything that he gives to us and so i really appreciated that and i think it's so important to make it a daily walking out not just oh i sat in the pew on sunday And so that's good enough. Uh,
1: We always think of ministry as belonging to the Robbie Zacharias of the world uh, or our local pastors, but uh, we all have uh, ministries, especially parents, right, who have as their first ministry uh, preaching and teaching and admonishing their children. Um, And it is probably the noblest of ministries. Uh, So, you know, I find that a lot of times we forget that uh, our own home is a place of
0: of uh, preparation well and, and you don't know um, who you're launching from your home either like I'm sure that guy I was thinking about this the guy that witnessed to Ravi in his hospital room had no idea that he was witnessing to a guy who would end up reaching millions with the gospel of Christ and and I know that Ravi said he stayed in contact with that gentleman until he passed away a few years before Ravi and he said that it humbled him that that God had given Ravi such a ministry because to him, he was just ministering um, to one person. And I think about that with my biblical namesake too, because Andrew, the disciple brought Peter, the disciple to Jesus and said, we found the Messiah. And then Peter became a great leader in the early church, despite his faults. And so if my influence seems uh, little, I never know how God's going to grow it. And some of that we won't see until the other side of glory. So,
1: right. Well, I think about Billy Graham and I think about you know uh, him teaching his children and his children you know went astray at times. But you look at the the reach that Franklin Graham has had in the world because of the legacy of his father and Andy Graham Watson and what she has brought to the world because of what she learned as a five and six and seven year old in the house of Billy Graham. Right. Franklin Graham's
0: son. Uh, William Graham the fourth they're actually all named William Graham which I found interesting when I was looking them up a while back but he is a pastor himself so the legacy continues he
1: continues exactly. through the generation
0: yeah. and, and despite the fact that for quite a while Franklin was a rebel God brought him back to himself and the rest as they say is history
1: yeah correct uh,
0: okay um the next point is we need to teach others
1: Thou, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me, among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. 2 Timothy 2, 1 through 2.
0: All right, I'll let you lead off on this one. Any thoughts?
1: Well, you know, teachers need to teach others. And I think that is part of, um, you know, you can look at that in, in academia in general, right? All of our teachers, uh, our elementary school teachers, were taught by somebody, and that has to continue. Our preachers were taught by somebody. Um, if you look back in the Bible, clearly Paul and Timothy is probably the greatest example of, of teacher and, and student and how that uh, carried on the, the legacy. Uh, it really is a, a passing on of the baton. Uh, and I think really that is the, the, the point that, uh, Timothy or Paul was speaking to Timothy that we need to, uh, pass that baton on so that when we, when we're gone, that, uh, teaching continues.
0: I, I've heard it said, um, by a, by a speaker, uh, several years ago, and I've always tried to practice this since then that you should always in your life have, um, two different categories of people you should always have uh paul's that you can look up to and timothy's you can mentor and if you have both of those things it can help you live a really balanced life because if you always think well i i need to look to wise men to be wise and then i need to be wise in order to be that wise man for somebody else that can help you avoid a lot of trouble
1: so it probably also reminds you to be humble and that you that you're always learning, right that there's no time, even Paul in his ministry, there's no time when he stopped learning
0: and was, that and that you need each other I mean, I mean, Paul knew that he needed people there were several times when he said, "You know, um I think of the time when he said, "You know, come to me quickly, Timothy, um because no one else is here for me, everyone has deserted me, and he talks about Demas leaving because he loved." this present world and how much that hurt him. So even Paul, even though he was devoted to being single for the sake of the ministry, he knew he needed other people. It was very important.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: All right. Third point. We need to bless others.
1: And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging, as every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. First Peter four ten or eight through ten.
0: Now this is convicting to me because I, you know, off you hear about serving one another and you hear about it being a good thing, um. But what he, what Peter says here is, um, you're not a good steward of God's grace if you're not serving others. And so it kind of, kind of ratchets it up a level to where sometimes we think we have the option to serve others if we want to, but God says, no, we, you don't have the option to serve others. You're not a good steward of my grace if you're not using it to impart uh, wisdom and goodness onto other people. Very convicting.
1: Well, and I think it goes back to being able to, you know, walking down the street and it's one thing to say to a man who's hungry. Um, you know, preach them, feed them the word of God, but not give them a loaf of bread, right? So there is that part where uh, your, your works and how you demonstrate the love of Christ in a in a demonstrable way has to has to either proceed or be in you know, congruence with the words that you're using.
0: And and Jesus definitely demonstrated that that it's often not the people that appear the most pious that are that are serving him because he's talking about heart issues. Like when he talked about the good Samaritan and the priest and the Levite walked by on the other side because they wanted to stay clean. Um But the Samaritan who has already knew what it was like to be rejected. uh He got down and, and, and did practical act of service. And Jesus says, this is what being, a neighbor is it's practical acts of service so i think that's very important for us to remember as well absolutely um all right and then finally our final point today is we need to point others to christ not to us
1: for it hath been declared unto me of you my brethren By them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now this I say that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I of Apollos, and I of Cephas, and I of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you, but Crispus and Gaius, lest any should say that I baptized in mine own name. And I baptize also the household of Stephanus, besides, I know not whether I baptized any other. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ shall be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. 1 Corinthians 1, 11 through 18.
0: And I realized that that was a longer passage of scripture, but I didn't, really, I didn't really see a good divide there. So I felt it would be important to include all of it. Um, but do you have any initial thoughts there, Dave?
1: I think it is an incredibly difficult challenge for ministers, especially when they get to the level of popularity that Arabi Zacharias or Billy Graham have. That um, they not become the the center fo- the center point it's very difficult for them not to be the one where people, they're coming to see Ravi, not coming to hear the gospel. They're coming to touch or see Billy Graham and not coming to hear the words of, of salvation. And that's a very difficult thing, I think, for uh, for ministers that start to get that sort of notoriety. And I think uh, Ravi was just spectacularly humble uh, in, his, in his presentation, wherever he went. One of the things that I, I wanted to bring up, because it really kind of, brings a point to me that Ravi had a very specific uh, audience. He had a very specific way of of, of teaching the gospel. He was a, an apologist, right? He, he very, very specifically went to um, places of higher education, which especially in today's age have a propensity toward uh, agnosticism or, or atheism. And he brought the gospel, as Paul did, to the uh, philosophers um, in, in Greece, that he, he presented to that niche. And I think that's something we have to remember, that uh, when, when we talk about this bullet point, that we need to point others to Christ, is that our niche might be small. It might be our ch- only our children. It might be, um, in, in Robbie's case, it might be going to Harvard or Cambridge or to some of these places where um, he has to speak it in a way that they're going to hear him uh so i think we have to look at our own uh sphere of influence in, in doing what this bullet point says is pointing others to christ um and listening for those opportunities like philip and the eunuch right where you know he, i'm sure he wasn't planning on preaching the gospel at that moment but god opened up that door at that time
0: well and what's even more spectacular about that one is he had a thriving ministry in samaria and then god says uh philip Philip, I need you to leave Samaria, and I need you to go to the middle of the desert. Right. I don't. I don't know why it is that God likes deserts, but He tends to put people in the desert and then and then yeah. do things in the desert that cause them to be able to be used. Like He went to the desert to meet the eunuch, and and uh, Moses spent time on the backside of the desert getting ready to lead the children of Israel, and Paul himself spent time in the desert. Um, communing with the Lord Jesus. So deserts play a prominent role in the kingdom of God for some they do. reason. <laughs> but yeah, uh,
1: I, I, I think that there, there's, there's very little distraction, which is good. I think that there are levels of t- uh, testing, right? Because they kind of strip away a lot of the things that we rely on or depend on. So it, it uh, opens us up. It's sort of like fasting.
0: And the other thing that I thought of as I was doing this point was The passage in Judges where it it basically says that all the days of Joshua and all the days of the people that served under Joshua, the people served the Lord God. But then when after the death of the elders who served under Joshua, the people forgot the Lord God, Um, which tells me that perhaps they were not actually serving the Lord God as much as they were serving the people that were serving the Lord God. Yeah. And God doesn't have grandchildren. He only has children. So it's important for us that when we have a legacy of bringing people to the Lord Jesus Christ, because the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, he's going to be with them after we are gone. You know, I'm going to be buried in the ground someday, but hopefully the people that have been impacted by my ministry will continue on because the things that the word of God has to say are so much more important than anything that I could impart on my own.
1: Well, here's the other thing too, I think just for current times, uh, in terms, in terms of pointing others to Christ and not to us is, uh, worship leaders. You know, it's a, it's a difficult thing to lead worship, especially in the bigger churches now without having people, um, sort of worshiping the worshiper, uh, or the leader. So there's just a, a humble, humility that comes with having to be up uh up front or into the into the light i guess where people are going to have a tendency to want to look up to you instead of looking up to the cross
0: oh absolutely it's always it's always a tendency you know it's good to have biblical role models because even paul said imitate me as i also imitate christ so to be able to be in a position where you can say with a certain amount of confidence, yes, imitate me, but also only imitate me as I imitate Christ because, you know, I'm a failure. The, the same Paul that wrote that said, oh, wretched man that I am, you know, so because he knew that he was a wretched man apart from the Holy Spirit.
1: There was um, a scripture, I think, you'll, you'll probably remember it better than I am. It's in Acts. I know when uh, the crowds wanted to worship uh, Peter. And Peter tore his robes and, and 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 admonished the crowd, right? To that he's a man like them. So I think yeah. that was a point where yeah,
0: very yeah, that was another thing too. They thought that they were gods, and uh, and uh, Paul said, "I am just a man." And he ripped his clothes. He said, "This is not. I'm not a god. I'm I'm just a man that God chose." And it's interesting, as Paul would tell his testimony, he as he got further in his ministry he kind of indicated that he was worse and worse off because one of his early epistles he said i'm the least of all the apostles and then the last letter that he wrote to timothy said i'm the chiefest of all sinners right. so it's kind yeah. of an interesting i uh, think maybe that is dichotomy. The, the
1: closer that you get to christ and the more that you see his lightness the more you understand your darkness and that may be part of the because growth and part of this is growing humility
0: because one of the problems that we face at, as ministers and as Christians just trying to teach people about the word of god is that the secular the secular world and i would say what's what has emerged as the secular christian world if i could use that term they love the love of god they absolutely love the love of God, but they don't understand the love of God. Cause the only way you can understand it is if you realize how much judgment you were under before you experienced his love, right? His yeah. love is evident because I deserve hell, but because of his love, I don't have to go there.
1: Right. Yep. I agree.
0: So, um, well, I thank you so much for, um, joining me, Dave, uh, as we, end out this podcast I'm just going to play a clip of another clip of Ravi you know we talked about how he is an apologist and this is um, one of his uh, examples of um, answering an atheist or an evolutionist about the absoluteness of God and I'll be back after this clip to wrap things up
2: (laughs) When
1: you go around and talk at Harvard and at Cornell and things like this, what are the
2: questions that seem to be most on the minds of students today? Questions are very, very uh, uh, predictable. I could take a sheet of paper, Jim, and I'm sure your experience is not this too. If I were to take a sheet of paper before I walked into an auditorium and wrote out 20 questions and you held it in your hand, you can pretty much check them out as they come uh... the first question almost anywhere as it was at harvard too uh, how can you talk about the existence of an all-loving and an all-perfect god when there is so much of evil in this world does it not strike you as contradictory that an all loving and an all powerful God allows such uh, moral evil, gratuitous evil? That is question number one at surface from the audience. Well, let's start with that then. What I'm sorry, I'm gonna leave it? now. <laughs> <laughs> no, that that is... with me <laughs> That's the difficult, most difficult, but I'll tell you I mean, how Rabbi Kirshner's answer to that. <laughs> what's the way to that's right. What's the way to deal with it? As I said to the student at Harvard, I said, stay with me for a moment now because I have some questions for you. I said, when you say just such a thing as, uh, as good, aren't you assuming there's such a thing as evil? That is correct, he said. I said, when you say there's such a thing as evil, aren't you assuming there's such a thing as a moral law on the basis of which to differentiate between good and evil? When you say there's such a thing as evil, aren't you assuming there's such a thing as good? He said, yes. I said, when you say that such a thing is good, aren't you assuming that such a thing is a moral law on the basis of which to differentiate between good and evil? He accepted that. And I said, but if you posit such a thing as a moral law, you must posit a moral law giver, but that's whom you're trying to disprove, sir, and not prove. If there's no moral law giver, there's no moral law. If there's no moral law, there's no good. If there's no good, there's no evil. What is your question? <laughs> <laughs> See what I mean? Uh, and, and the truth is, they smuggle in their assumptions. Yes. Because it is unlivable, as I said earlier on. And in the, in, the, in the Q&A, he stood there right in front in the Harvard audience. I said, you've just bought into my worldview. He said, I guess so. He is, you see, Jim, the question self-destructs unless there is a God. So what you have to demonstrate is how with God who exists in this universe, can you explain the reality of evil? And that, of course, takes you all the way to the cross and how in the message of the cross, evil was dealt with, forgiveness was offered and the life of Christ comes and now lives within me to counter evil, to live for the good, and stop the force of evil around us. Outside of God, not only is there no answer, even the question is not valid. With God, the question is valid, and with the cross, the answer is efficacious. Well, I hope that all of you watching
1: about that. Mm -hmm.
0: All right, and there you have Ravi Zacharias uh, giving his answer um, to an atheist atheist about the absoluteness of the reality of who God is. And I hope that today you are experiencing that reality in your own life. If you aren't, I encourage you to call upon Jesus today because he says uh, in John chapter 10, the thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy, but I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. And my prayer for you is that you will have abundant life. Thank you so much for joining me today, Dave. Uh, we'll, like I said, we'll have you on in a few weeks again and talk in more detail about your book. Cause I really would like to dive into that with you and then be able to offer that um, as a recommendation to my mature listeners. Um, so we'll, we'll definitely do that in the next few weeks. But thank you so much for agreeing to come on with me today.
1: Thanks, Andrew, for having me. I appreciate it. It's always a pleasure.
0: All right. Well, that is our show for today. If you appreciated it, please give me um, some feedback at the contact information that's about to roll at the end of the show. Have a great weekend and keep serving the best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your
2: host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four,